Welcome to Dr. Dave on Call, where we discuss your health, well-being, and everything in between. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Nyack, and we are so grateful that you are tuning in today. We have a wonderful show for you. We hope that you are staying safe and healthy, too, during this COVID-19 pandemic. So today, we are going to be discussing COVID-19 variants. We've had a lot of viewer feedback and questions regarding the coronavirus variants. How do they happen? What's going on with them? How do they affect uh, the vaccines that are being deployed out in the world today? So we thought it would be a great opportunity to discuss this with an expert from Duke University Medical Center, Dr. David Montefiore. Hey, just want to remind everybody, if you have a question, email us at hello at Dr. Dave on call. You could tweet us over at Dr. Dave on call as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, hey, subscribe, give, leave us a, a review or feedback too as well. We have a website too as well. DrDaveOnCall.com. You'll find all our episodes and our um, and our YouTube videos too as well. Subscribe us, give us a like. We'd really appreciate it. Let's move on to the episode here. So we're talking about COVID nineteen variants. So first, let's discuss what exactly they are and how do they happen. So viruses are very intelligent infectious diseases, and as high numbers of cases occur throughout the world, especially here in the U.S., we were at one point, you know, having 350,000 cases a day. As this virus spreads from person to person, essentially it has more chance to mutate, right? So in the genome of the virus, it can have these small changes, so mutations, right, um, that can occur. And we've been seeing this in coronavirus so far. And these small little mutations have had really little impact of the virus itself, right? However, though, as we have more cases, some of these mutations that are happening lead to new variants that can change the way the virus operates into a more um, survival uh, standpoint. And what I mean by that, it can reproduce very successfully and it becomes the dominant type, right? So, We've seen a couple of these new variants in the United Kingdom, right? So there's a lot of alphabet soup that's been thrown around, right? The UK variant is called a B117 mutation. Um, you know, you have the um, South African mutation, um, which is the B1351. Um, and then you have the Brazil mutation, which is a P1. But I think the most important thing to grasp here, number one, where the, where the variants are, um, so they're coming from these geographic countries. Two, um, what's going on with the variants? Um, and, and, and is it is it actually making the virus more dangerous or easily spreadable? Um, and, and that's a really big big question that we need to answer here. So these three key variants that's, that's going on right now. So we have the UK variant, we have the South African variant, and the Brazil variant. Um, these viruses that have mutated in these areas um, occurred and and became the dominant mutation in these areas. And what we found was that the viruses seemed to spread more easily. Um, and as we know, the virus has no geographic bounds, right? Just because it originated in some part of the world does not mean it can't spread through other countries, especially as we have um, easily travel um, access, right? So if you're getting on a plane and you take a flight from the UK over to America, 
um, and you have the, the UK variant and you spread it here in the United States, chances are in just a short period of time, because of how easily transmissible it is, the UK variant will actually spread quite easily. And that's actually what the CDC has said. By the end of March of 2021, in the United States here, we're going to see the UK variant being the most dominant form of the coronavirus. So that's what's going on here, right? So we have the high numbers of cases increase the chances of mutations, right? So coronavirus over these last year or so has had many, many small changes to the genome. Um, and these mutations have really had little impact. However, these new variants that they found in the UK, South Africa, and in Brazil had developed becoming the dominant type and were spreading more easily. Now, we, we have known, scientists have actually seen that they are also um, affecting the antibody response. And so we do not believe that they're more dangerous, but they could be affecting antibody levels. And that brings us to what we're, what we're talking about today and how these variants could affect the vaccines that are coming out, right? So we have a huge um, deployment of the COVID-19 um, vaccines. And so far, what Moderna and Pfizer have studied these specific variants from these geographic locations, and they found that the UK variant is being combated by these vaccines. Unfortunately, we found that the South African variant has less of uh, the, the vaccine is, is not able to fight it as efficiently as they are the UK variant. So that's something to look for as we progress through this pandemic. Will vaccine companies need to have a booster, right, to combat the South African variant? And how do we understand what new variants could be on the horizon, right? So as the virus is spreading continually throughout the world, will there be more variants um, locally? So for example, um, just in the last couple of days, the, the state of New York has identified a new variant. Um, California has a new variant as well. So we need to really study these variants and their genomes in the labs to figure out, are they more dangerous? Do they spread more easily? And that's going to be a big, big concern for not only the scientific community, but also for the general public to figure out, okay, what, what are these vaccines doing that we're, that we're taking right now? Are they going to help us and protect us now? Or do we need to be on on guard for new variants and, and tweaking the vaccines to have a better match for them. So I'm really excited to talk to Dr. David Montefiore today about this interesting topic. He is a professor and director of the Laboratory for AIDS Vaccine Research over at Duke University Medical Center. He's published 500 original research papers and has helped shape the scientific rationale for antibody-based HIV-1 vaccines. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, Dr. Montefiore and his colleagues were one of the first scientists to warn about COVID-19 variants. So we are truly honored to have uh, Dr. Montefiore and Dr. Dave on call. Dr. Montefiore, we always like to have our guests introduce themselves. And so if you don't mind, if you could just tell us briefly about, about yourself, your background, and how you became interested in infectious diseases. Yeah, so um, I'm a, a PhD by training. I'm a a professor in the Department of Surgery at Duke. 
Um, I have been doing HIV vaccine research for the past 35 years, um, primarily interested in antibodies and neutralizing antibodies in particular. Uh, and my lab has been a central laboratory for the uh, HIV vaccine clinical trials network uh, since the very uh, beginning uh, of, of that program. And so when uh, this coronavirus pandemic uh, came on the scene very early on in the pandemic uh, last year, uh, I saw a need for the type of uh, lab uh, that, that we have. Uh, we operate in compliance with good clinical laboratory practices and we use validated methods uh, that meet FDA and, and um, standards and, and industry standards as well. Um, and so we stepped in uh, and it wasn't long before the program formerly known as Operation Warp Speed drafted me as well. Um, and so then the, uh, the pressure was really on to get the methods developed and get them uh, validated and approved by the FDA in time uh, to um, analyze samples from the clinical trials. And that's what we have been doing um, now for uh, the past several months. Um, and in the meantime, we've also uh, been looking at these variants that are emerging. The, the variants, the possibility that this virus would change over time, would evolve, is what got me interested in uh, the, this field in the first place. Uh, you know, working with HIV for 35 years and as variable as that virus is, um, you know, it was um, an interest of mine uh, that uh, this particular coronavirus might change over time as well. Uh, in in a way that could jeopardize the effectiveness of the first generation of vaccines. So that was a, a primary interest of mine, but then we also got involved in um, doing the routine uh, monitoring of neutralizing antibody responses in the clinical trials as well. So, I, I mean, you've been studying this uh, pandemic and, and the COVID-19 virus so extensively and, you know, the past spring, you and your colleagues were actually one of the first to warn the scientific and general community about um, the, the D614G mutation variant that, that ended up being the dominant variant here in the U.S. Let's sort of general force from the trees here. Could you explain how viral variants occur and why this process is unfolding? So early on, uh, we um, were concerned that the virus would evolve uh, to um, adapt to its new human host. Uh, you know, previously it had been in bats and then it possibly went through an intermediate uh, animal host before it uh, jumped to humans. And so, you know, being new in humans, we kind of expected that it might change um, in a way that uh, most likely would uh, make the virus more contagious. That's what virus want viruses want to do. They want to be able to spread to assure their survival. And that would most likely involve the spike protein that sits on the top of the virus and that the virus uses to attach to a cell and get into a cell. That's also the part of the virus that's in all of the vaccines. And all of the vaccines are based on the spike of the initial Wuhan 1 strain or, or variant of the virus. Um, so, you know, if the virus were to change um, as, as an ad adaptation to be more adaptable to people and, and to be more contagious in people, it could have a secondary uh, impact on the uh, antigenicity of the, um, that spike protein, and, and that could have a bearing on the effectiveness of the vaccines. 
So when we saw the D614G mutation arise um, early last year, uh, it was something that we were very concerned about because it was a mutation in the spike protein. Now, it was not in the portion of the spike protein that uh, is of uh, greatest concern for antibodies that neutralize, but nonetheless, uh, you know, there was some potential there for it to have an impact. And it turns out that that mutation did in fact make the virus much more contagious. Uh, it rapidly became the dominant variant globally. Uh, but fortunately, it did not allow the virus to escape our vaccines. In fact, what we found was that it actually made the virus uh, slightly more sensitive to our vaccines, which was a good thing. Um, but now uh, the virus has had lots more time to evolve with uh, millions and millions of people who've been infected and the, this pandemic uh, going on for such a long time, the more the virus has an opportunity to replicate, the more opportunities there are for it to continue to acquire mutations and evolve. And that is exactly uh, what we're seeing now with these new variants uh, that have been um, identified in the United Kingdom, in South Africa, Brazil, California, and, and there are many others. So we're seeing just an influx of variants throughout the world. And obviously, as we have a higher incidence of COVID-19 throughout the world, we have a greater opportunity for more variants. As you know, are you surprised at the frequency of these COVID-19 variants? And, and could we expect further variants to, to arise as this pandemic stretches onward? Yeah, I, you know, scientists, myself included, are surprised at how rapidly these variants are emerging. Um, but when you stop to think about how many people have been infected and how long this pandemic is, is going on, uh, it has provided a lot of opportunities uh, for the virus to mutate, as, as I mentioned before. Um, we, you know, are concerned that um, it will continue to evolve now that a lot of people have been infected and they've recovered from infection and they have immunity and more and more people now are getting vaccinated and have immunity this virus is going to be bumping up against that wall of immunity and it's going to find a way to break through that and so we we need to be very diligent monitoring uh the the variants that arise and and testing those studying those in the laboratory in ways that uh, might predict whether or not a particular variant uh, is now becoming prevalent uh, in the world, that does pose a more serious risk to our vaccines uh, and to reinfection than these current ones do. So it seems like we're almost in a race against time, right? To, to get the vaccine rollout, to implement good mitigation techniques so we can reduce uh, you know, the prevalence of COVID-19 while building up you know, a, a broad-based population immunity before these variants can really rear their, their head. Exactly. That's the strategy. Again, if you, the more you can prevent this virus from spreading and replicating, the more likely you are to prevent uh, uh, additional variants uh, that are a greater concern from uh, emerging. And so the sooner we can get the vaccines rolled out to as many people as possible, uh, the, the better, the less likely it is 
that um, a, 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 a variant of greater concern uh, is going to rear its ugly head. That's that's our biggest worry right now is that um, it will find a way to escape the vaccines even more efficiently uh, than it has so far. So when we're testing in the population for these variants, is this is this a, a strategy that we should have not only domestically but also internationally so we can identify these variants earlier so we can tell not only if they're more easily transmissible but they're actually more dangerous as well? Exactly. And it is a global effort. There are scientists, laboratories around the world who are sequencing isolates from people. So they're what they're doing is um, they are uh, sequencing the genome of the virus that's in the nasal swabs that are collected. Uh, the, the sequence is needed in order to determine what variant it is. That isn't information that you get from the regular PCR test that's used for diagnosis. The sequencing is an additional testing that's done in specialized laboratories, uh, and it's costly and it requires special equipment and, and expertise. So there aren't a lot of laboratories that um, are capable of doing it. Um, but then again, you know, there are enough. Um, and you know, with adequate funding, you know, they have the resources um, to do this sequencing in a larger scale. And that's really what's needed right now is um, for this sequencing to be done uh, at a larger scale globally. Uh, you know, we've seen these um, variants of concern emerge in different parts of the world and they rapidly spread to other countries. And so, you know, no one is really safe from them. We need to be uh, diligent in, in our uh, surveillance of these variants worldwide. Yeah, as, as we've seen with the UK variant being essentially the dominant um, variant here in the United States now, um, as they're predicting, you know, towards the end of March, uh, from from what you know the CDC is predicting too, and, and that, and, and let me ask you too, Dr. Montefiore, if we're seeing the vaccine rollout expeditiously occurring not only here in the United States but abroad, and we're then we're seeing more, let's say, a rise in infection rates, are these geographic areas that you would want to study more closely because there could be a possible uh, local variant? Oh, yes, in, indeed. Um, you know, right now, uh, what I'm really encouraged by is that in, in most places in the world, the uh, daily rates of infection and deaths seem to be going down, uh, even in places like the UK and South Africa, where they have these um, variants that are supposedly more contagious. Um, so, you know, that's that's encouraging. If we were to suddenly see um, the rates going back up again, then we need to study that and see if it is in fact uh, related to a um, new variant that has escaped prior immunity. And and strictly as we are beginning to roll out the vaccines and it, and obviously it looks to be very effective in terms of you know our prevalence numbers going down, our hospitalizations are going down, and hopefully our death rate will be going down too as well as that is usually a lagging indicator too. Um, if we see a variant that could potentially escape the vaccine, when do we decide as a as a scientific community to, you know, 
create another booster, so to speak, for a vaccine, either in the fall or, or upcoming? When, when, when would you recommend something like that? Uh, as soon as a variant is identified that completely or nearly completely escapes the current vaccines, I think it's time for the vaccine manufacturers to start making a next generation vaccine, um, not necessarily to start mass producing it, but to engineer it and have it ready to go if that variant takes off in the human population and, and shows you know, evidence of, of spread. Um, you know, it's not, necessarily, it's not necessarily true that a complete escape variant would also have an advantage for transmission and take off. Um, but, you know, if it did, then uh, that's even more of a concern uh, and people, you know, are monitoring the spread of these uh, variants very closely, the people who are doing genetic surveillance. And so, um, yeah, the, if, if we ever identify something that's occurring naturally uh, that is escaping the vaccines more than what we've already seen. I think we're really close with the South African variant on the cusp of where, you know, the, the break point is that our vaccines are, you know, working partly 50, 60% against that variant. But if the virus gets any more resistant to them, then um, the current vaccines are probably not going to be good enough. And it's going to be time to have a next generation vaccine. It all depends on uh, whether or not that type of a variant emerges to a level where it can be identified and studied, and then how much it spreads. So it seems, you know, this is just a, a very complex race, right, to get so many people vaccinated so that we can get to herd immunity, push down the prevalence so that we can hopefully thereby decrease the possibility of more variants coming um, in the future too as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, an open question right now, and there are, you know, different opinions depending on who you talk to. Uh, you know, we're, look, we're looking now at the uh, daily rates of infection and deaths, and we're seeing a sharp decline in, in many parts of the world. The question is, um, how far down is it going to go? It, will it go down all the way? Or is it going to go down to a certain level and then level off there and be persistent where we always have this virus to deal with uh, and occasionally have rebounds, um, a cyclic um, uh, outbreaks and, and threat of, a, of another pandemic? That's an open question. Uh, and I think, again, you know, now's the opportunity for us to um, maximize the possibility of that rate going down and, and bottoming out and this virus um, more or less disappearing. It's gonna depend on how effective the vaccines, how effectively the vaccines are rolled out, um, how many people uh, take the vaccine and, and reaching the people globally. Um, you know, it's, um, we're all in this together. Uh, the entire world is involved in this. Uh, you know, it's not only a humanitarian responsibility, um, but if, you know, there are pockets of the virus where it's not brought under control, uh, that's a risk to the entire world of another variant emerging because of that opportunity for the virus to keep replicating. That could threaten, uh, you know, the entire planet again with a reemergence uh, of another pandemic. Uh, and the need to start all over again with a vaccine uh, campaign uh, to bring it under control again. So it really, 
I think is going to depend on an effective global vaccine program and people uh, participating in uh, the, the program. Yeah, it seems, you know, as the manufacturers are trying to, you know, cope with the demand side from their supply, right, that we may foresee some difficulty, especially with developing nations versus the developed nations like ourselves, you know, in terms of the vaccine deployments. And that if those developing nations are not able to access the vaccine in an expeditious manner, they, those nations could potentially um, be a, a, a concern for COVID spreading even higher prevalent rates and then contributing to a potential variant down the line. Yeah, these countries are going to need the resources to uh, get that vaccine out to as many people as possible. Um, You know, we need the doses and we need the resources so that those vaccines reach people. So focusing back just briefly on the variants, the UK variant here, and then talking about the South African variant, as we get our population in the U.S. here, uh, vaccinated, right? And we're getting towards that herd immunity goal, but but a large percent of the population becomes vaccinated. Because of these variants, wouldn't it be wise of us to still implement, you know, stricter mitigation te- uh, uh, strategies, right? Whether it's mask wearing, physical distancing, obviously hand washing, but, but more on a broader scale so that we could try to push that number as far down as we can? Well, I, you know, this is not the time to let up, certainly. Um, you know, we need to keep um, wearing masks and social distancing, washing our hands, avoiding uh, large gatherings, you know, everything uh, that we've been doing to mitigate um, the, the risk of uh, exposing other people and, and ourselves, even after you've been vaccinated. Um, it, we, you know, need to be vigilant until the number of infections goes down very, very low, as Dr. Fauci has been saying. How low, you know, before we feel comfortable taking off our masks is hard to say. Um, but, you know, certainly uh, it's still going to take uh, some time. Um, so uh, we don't want to let up just yet. Uh, we don't want to see the infection rate go back up again. We're, it's going in the right direction. We're doing the right things. Let's keep doing that uh, and see how low we can get these infection rates down to. Well, firstly, Dr. Montefiore, thank you for your service, you know, your, your dedication, your, your team, your lab, and all of your colleagues there at Duke um, contributing to this, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the greater cause for uh, addressing this pandemic. We are indebted to you. Um, We are greatly watching with interest these variants and um, how they occur and and where they occur and how rapidly they occur and balancing that with the vaccine uh, deployment and how effective the vaccines are, too. I think all of us are anxiously, you know, waiting and watching to make sure that we can get them out as quickly as possible and that those those people actually take the vaccine, because even though it's available, you know, there's that extra hurdle to say, yeah, these are safe and they're effective and that in order to beat this, we must, we must, uh, you know, do our part. I couldn't agree with you more. It's very, very important uh, for everyone to receive this vaccine. 
Yeah. Excellent. Dr. Montefiore, we really appreciate your time. We know you're a busy man. Thank you so much um, for, for everything that you're doing there. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, we thank Dr. Montefiore for joining us today and to give us his insights on the effects of the COVID-19 variants are having both throughout the world and also their impacts on our vaccine deployment that we are undergoing both here in the United States and abroad. Um, It's very interesting to see the impacts of what the prevalence of COVID-19 has had on the pandemic itself, right? So as we see more cases arise during the past year, it's really increased the risk of COVID-19 for mutations. Yes, it's had small mutations throughout the year and really have had little impact. However, there have been key mutations that have led to new variants like the South African variant, the UK variant, the Brazil variant that are leading the, the, the variants to be more efficiently spread and that are possibly changing our antibody response to it. We know right now that these variants are not um, as dangerous. However, we that could change very well as we interpret um, the data from this too as well. So learning what Dr. Montefiore has, has, has talked to us about is the fact that these vaccines are not only important to pushing down the prevalence of COVID-19, but we also need to keep wearing a mask, keep washing our hands, keeping our distance, making sure we're not having big gatherings now because we really need to get our numbers down. And we know that the vaccines are having some effects, especially here in the United States and the UK. We're seeing our numbers drop considerably. But the goal should be to get those numbers as low as possible, right? Because we don't know if these variants, like the South African variant, could be the dominant variant here in the next few months, which would likely cause our cases to rise. And if our cases rise, then we have more risk for more mutations, right? And more variants. And what does that do? It puts us in a position where our vaccines will not be as efficacious, right? They won't work as well. And we don't want to just start back on square one, right? So we are just so blessed to have, you know, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson, all these companies that are um, able to tweak the vaccine so we can get essentially, you know, a next generation vaccine down the line, whether that be, you know, in the fall to vaccinate for the variants or even something that has, um, you know, including a variant that we just haven't discovered yet. So again, discovery is going to be key. We need to get uh, genomic analysis as much as we can within the communities. And if we notice different areas uh, in the communities, like for example, in the United States, if some city has uh, an increase in cases all of a sudden, we need to be there and deploy those teams to to learn about the the, the genetics behind the spread there. And is it a new variant being developed? Because if we're on the forefront of this, we can get ahead of it, right? And that we can give this information back to the scientists and those vaccine um, companies so that they can tweak the vaccine um, as needed. It's going to be a very interesting next few weeks and months here in the United States and globally to see what the impacts are of these variants. I'll be honest, I'm, you know, walking uh, on eggshells right now because while we are vaccinated and it provides us with 
seeing these cases drop, we need to really flatten that curve, right? And I'm still continuing to wear two masks, actually, keeping my distance, not having any gatherings, and, and, you know, implementing those mitigation techniques that are just truly, truly important right now. So we do greatly appreciate Dr. Montefiore to coming on our podcast today. Um, invite the audience here, email us if you have any questions. Hello at Dr. Dave on call. You could tweet us over at, at Dr. Dave on call too, as well. Um, really encourage you to check out our website, drdaveoncall.com. You'll find all of our podcasts and our YouTube videos. Give us a subscribe and like too, as well. And we just hope that everybody is staying safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you haven't received your vaccine and you're currently waiting in line, please be patient Um, If you do have the opportunity and your number is called to get the vaccine, please get the vaccine. Do your part to help us um, address this this terrible pandemic. Um, Because as we get closer to herd immunity and with the hope that we can get these numbers down and less variants occurring, we can get through this this COVID-19 pandemic, that we are all in this together and that we each have our own responsibility for doing our, our, our part. We thank you very much. We hope you guys are staying safe and healthy, and we will see you next time on Dr. Dave on Call.